big flip, big flip here for Florida State in that position. Huge, huge. Position of need, extremely talented Florida State lands a commitment. Big flip, Gibeon Hilson, a four-star defensive end. Dilu, this is a nice pickup here, obviously. One of the top edge players in the country. I'm going to bring up his uh, profile here from 247 Sports. But on the composite, a top 10 edge rusher, just specifically from 247 itself, a top five edge rusher, number four in the country, top 50 player. Man, this I thought this was massive the other day for Florida State. And, and like I was saying earlier, a position where you want to kind of build your own and just to have this and you know, I think immediately to FSU Twitter is like, let's just wait till we get the signing day and make sure Florida State brings them in. And I understand that. And I'm right there with you. That's how I mean the, the staff should be held to that standard because we've seen some guys, some misses here as of late, specifically in this room. But for right now, if Florida State can hold on to this cat, this is a really special player that they'd be bringing into their edge rusher room. I'm real, real excited about this one. Hey guys, it's Terrence Nan. You're listening to Hear the Spear presented by No Game Day. Go Dolls. Hey, what's up? This is Peter Ward, aka E Dub, in the house. So we're listening to Hear the Spear presented by No Game Day. Go live, go Nose. Hi, this is Charlie Ward, and you're listening to Hear the Spear, Go Nose. This is Terrell Buckley. You're listening to Hear the Spear presented by No Game Day. No bloody. But perhaps better known as the greatest corner to ever step on a football field, Deion Primetime Sanders. Great Deion Sanders, my brother. What's going on, man? I, I could wake up to that greedy every day, man. That was awesome. Hello, those fans. This is former Seminole Derek Brooks, and you're listening to Here's the Spear, presented to you by No Game Day. James Wilder Jr. What's going on, James? Thanks for having me on. SSOD, Florida State or Die, and go no. William Barnon Floyd. Gentlemen, what's up? What's happening, guys? This is Logan Robinson from Here the Spirit, presented to you by NoGameDay.com. We're here live on a wonderful, fantastic Wednesday evening, an hour early, as we get in here before Florida State tips off against my uh, Miami. Uh, VZ's got some work to do and doing live coverage there, so I want to make sure he has enough time to be covering uh, Leonard Hamilton, which is uh, having a turnaround kind of season at the moment. We'll see what ends up happening this evening, but uh, would be a big time win against a pretty decent squad. And the Hurricanes, uh, also to Cleveland. I know, VZ, you'll probably bring it up here in the end before you hop out of here, but For sure. uh, a reunion there that uh, should be pretty interesting to watch. So I'll definitely be tuning in after we get done with the podcast. But we got a ton to cover this evening. We're going to talk Mike Norvell and Alabama. Alex Atkins and the suspension there with the NCAA penalties. After that, we've got a handful of current Seminoles signing with the battle's end. We're going to talk Daryl Jackson as that was announced today uh, and a few other Seminoles, including a uh, graduate assistant actually moving on and finding uh, a job elsewhere in the SEC. And then a handful of other Noles that we mentioned with battle's end and some recruiting as Florida State just continues to take players from Alabama after Nick Saban's retirement. But with me this evening is Austin Vizi, our lead basketball writer at NoelGameDay.com. And down below is our editor-in-chief, D. Lou, Dustin Lewis. Gentlemen, how's y'all's week been? How are we feeling? Seems like things are kind of starting to try to slow down right now as we head into the uh, latter, latter half of this uh, January. Slow down. Feels like it's still speeding up, but 
definitely been a great week, obviously, with Florida State being able to retain Mike Norvell, and you just continue to see these transfer announcements and now Florida State doing some work on the recruiting trail. So, you know, no slowing down into January. And so far this month, I mean, it's been pretty much all posit- positive news for the Seminoles. For the most part, obviously, we'll, we'll get to the sanctions here in a minute, but uh, it, it, ah. it, won't, it, it won't slow down until probably February, if we're being realistic. Yeah, no, with the transfer portal, all this kind of stuff going on, and then NIL, we do a lot of coverage there specifically for guys getting retained with the battles in. Coverage doesn't stop, and so it's all over the place. And definitely when you've got a big-tier program like Alabama where you've got current players on that team that is stacked in a lot of different ways with depth, and then you've got got incoming recruits as well uh, making their decommitments from Alabama – it seems like Mike Norvell and at least Florida State right now is finding a lot of leadway and getting some of those guys over from Tuscaloosa. So we'll be mentioning a few of those guys and discussing that in just a few. As always, you can listen to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify. If you're on YouTube right now, feel free to hit that like button, subscribe so you get notified every time we release a new episode. And also, too, we're out there on the ground getting recruit interviews as well. Some of these transfers coming in too. So we're posting those on our YouTube. So make sure you subscribe, get subscribed. So you get notified every time we release a new episode. Mike Norvell is not going to Tuscaloosa. He is staying in Tallahassee. He has signed an extension with Florida state. We saw this coming, but it seemed like after Nick Saban decided to make his uh, commitment to uh, going ahead and retiring from college football, now it's opened up a opened up a lot of doors for some potential candidates, and Mike Norvell was one. We kind of were discussing a tiny bit of it uh, later last week, but it was still very early on. But after a while, some of the other candidates started flying out and weren't maybe interested in taking on uh, Bama, and Mike Norvell became one of the hot names there. And for, sure enough, you know Alabama did uh, get in contact and try and try to work something there with Mike Norvell, but Florida State Michael Alford really pushed in and. Uh, I think from what we heard from Mike Norvell, we'll bring it up here in a minute, but uh, he, he wants to stay in Tallahassee. Mike Norvell agreed to a new eight-year contract that will pay him for more $10 million a year. Gentlemen, just first off with that, Mike Norvell is getting paid, and I think Dustin, you and I specifically, just seeing all the just different intricate things that he does inside the program from behind the scenes, it, it, he's worth that and probably more. Yeah, I mean, Mike Mike Norvell is worth everything to Florida State. And, I mean, can you just imagine the kind of blow it would have been to Tallahassee where after everything that the program has been through, you know, during the last six or seven weeks, and then on top of that, you end up losing your head coach to the school that essentially snubbed you from the college football playoff. I mean, this, this city, the people around Florida State would have just melted down. So, I mean, obviously <laughs> – it was a huge priority to keep Mike Norvell here in Tallahassee, to keep his staff and to keep uh, building Florida State back to the top of college football like we've seen these past two years um, with the program. I do believe, you know, there was a real interest there between Mike Norvell and Alabama, but you've got to credit the administration at Florida State for nipping this in the bud, getting that contract extension for Mike Norvell, committing to more resources off the field um, and recruiting for the Seminoles and you know, the future in Tallahassee looks very bright with how things have gone um, as of late. And, you know, there was there was no losing Mike Norvell. This is a Jimmy Sexton special if I've ever seen it. His client at Alabama retires. 
His client at Florida State gets extended. His client at Oregon gets extended. His client at Texas gets extended. And his client at Washington goes to Alabama. <laughs> so he put on an absolute clinic, got a whole bunch of people paid like we all expected would happen. And we, we don't need to tell you how important it is to keep Mike Norvell. He's very obviously so important to, like you said, the culture of Florida State, the culture in Tallahassee that's now been established. And he's de deservedly so one of the five highest paid coaches in college football right now because – and you can make the argument he's – the third or fourth bed head coach in college football. There's only three coaches that that are sitting that have won a national title, and Harbaugh's likely about to go to the NFL to get you down to two. So it's just Kirby and Dabo left, and after that, it's a wild race for that for that third best coach or third most established coach. It's it's a well deserved extension for coach. I think it says a ton about just how committed Florida State is right now in the football world to be paying Mike Norvell a salary like this. You know, you think back to a couple years ago, whenever Jimbo Fisher left for Texas A&M, this is essentially the salary and contract that he got from the Aggies, you know, 10 plus million per year. And now Florida state right there paying that to Mike Norvell. They've got the renovations ongoing in Doe Campbell stadium, the construction starting on the football only facility, you know, things look extremely promising in Tallahassee right now, moving into these next couple of years. And I, I love that they rewarded him on the back end because if you remember during COVID, he gave up part of his salary to help fill the athletics uh, athletics budget. So I'm glad they're giving it back to him here in the back end. And one thing too about Mike Norvell, I had some worrisome there later on in the whole situation where Alabama, you know, they weren't finding someone that was willing to take on that job. And Dan Lanning said no. And that's where I was like, oh, okay, this gets a little bit more interesting. And the reason why I think Alabama would be so intrigued in bringing Mike Nor Norvell in is because of the game plan that both him, the administration, and Michael Alford put together with just, yeah, putting more money, allocating that to what they think is going to be bringing the football program up, but also off the field, that staff there that has been deeply important in a lot of different ways, specifically in that transfer portal, making Florida State one of the best teams and programs to have success in that portal. And it's alluded into bringing some great success onto the field as well and a whole lot of other things and just recruiting tactics and building that whole staff off the field. And that's something that I think, you know, you saw Alabama do that first before everybody else and what Nick Saban did a phenomenal job at. And, you know, that's kind of what Florida State has done. And we've heard from Derek Ray, Florida State's general manager. You know, he's one of those roles that uh, is one that they took away from, you know, Alabama, the idea there that you could bring in some more people off the field to kind of fully focus on those uh, concerns and building the program up on the outside of things, not just only solely focused on high school recruiting. And um, that's been so successful. And that's why I was like, OK, a little bit of, okay, let, let's keep a very close eye on this because Alabama and just seeing what Mike Norvell has been able to do with what he had to work with right off the bat and obviously seeing what he's been putting out onto the field, uh, he, he becomes a really hot candidate for coming in and, and taking on a job of that self. Um, but, yeah, he, this is what Mike Norvell had to say, too, uh, regarding his extension with Florida State. I uh, said, we came to Tallahassee four years ago, and it was a life-changing experience. Knowing the great history, tradition, and expectation has guided our staff on a daily basis and has been an incredible journey these last four years, and I have fallen in love with the, this program, the university, and the people who I get to represent. I am so excited to continue our climb to push Florida State back to the top of college football. We are committed to being our best on and off the field while helping develop our players to be their best in every area of their lives. I'm incredibly thankful to, for the amazing commitment into our student-athletes and staff from President McCullough, A.D. Alford, and the Board of Trustees. Hashtag keep climbing and go Knowles. 
so Magnavell really happy to stay in Tallahassee. And I, I, I don't think it took too much for Alfred to talk him into saying, hey, we, we're, we're wanting to keep you here at Florida State. I think what Magnavell has been able to do, it's a lot of work in it to where they where he is now. And uh, Alfred, I, I, I trust that guy is Florida State's AD and also ended up being where Florida State's allocating more money into the program itself and, and to recruiting too, some more money there in the budget. You've got to think Mike Norvell has uh, bought himself a ton of goodwill at Florida State with the way that he's really helped this program rise out from um, one of the the toughest stretches, if not the toughest stretches, the toughest stretch ever in Tallahassee. You know, from where this program was when he took it over in 2020 to how stable it is now. You know, not not only on the field but also the culture that has been established, the amount of players that are graduating or earning academic honors. You know, his impact goes. Um, way further than what is just being shown on the field on Saturday on Saturdays. So um, it was imperative to keep him in Tallahassee. And, you know, I think replacing Nick Saban, that's not going to be easy for anybody. And mm -hmm. you're instantly on the hot seat if you have one bad season over there at Alabama. I think things are a lot safer in Tallahassee. He's obviously locked down now, you know, well past 2030 on a really good salary. And you know, there's potential for him to definitely win a national championship here in the next couple of years in, uh, at Florida State if everything keep, keeps rolling in the right direction. I was just about to say that. When, you, when you're going to Alabama, it doesn't matter what your name is. You're instantly known as the coach that followed Nick Saban. Mm -hmm. And if you go 10-2 and two even, that's, that's a down season for those fellows in Tuscaloosa. And that, that's a ton of pressure. I'm not saying – Mike couldn't do that, but that's a ton of expectation to even if you miss the 12 team playoff once you're instantly on the hot seat, you get a little bit more leeway in Tallahassee, I think. Yep. And now it's on to Kalen DeBoer, former Washington head coach. Best of luck to him. I couldn't imagine how much. Well, I can't imagine it because now we're seeing the floodgates open there on Alabama's side on just both high school recruiting and, and the transfer portal and the good handful of those guys coming over to Tallahassee, which we'll talk about in just a few, but best of luck to him. I think he's a great head coach. I think it will take a little bit of time. Alabama fans are going to have to actually have to slow down a little bit and they're not used to that whatsoever and best of luck to him. And there's going to be some griping, but uh, that's the coach that I think would do well. Him and Dan Lanning, you know, Mike, th those guys have such a high future and what they're doing, both recruiting portal, in-house culture everything so play calling yada 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 those are some really strong candidates so best of luck to him just glad i'm not in that spot that would uh not be easy i think what we're seeing right now is more proof of how bad culture plus calendar is because for most people the transfer portal closed for alabama it didn't even open until after it closed and it was, it was a new new coach in the building i'm not personally against it because alabama needs their downtime they've been at the top for too long i think they're set to come crashing down reality a little bit but it it definitely is pushing that narrative that I agree with that the college football calendar absolutely sucks. It's going to be fun to uh, see how it goes because you know not a ton of southeast recruiting ties for Kalen Dobear and that that staff so far. We'll see how he's able to put it together. You know once he gets that full staff together in Tuscaloosa. But right now, you know, seeing a bunch of guys at the transfer portal. Actually, just saw a notification come through on my phone. Uh, Caleb Downs officially in the portal now, and I would assume that's someone mm -hmm. at Florida State. They're going to kick the tires on because he would he would definitely be worth the investment. But you know, Florida State has landed five players from Alabama out of the portal already. Um, some guys on the recruiting trail backing off their commitments. It's 
going to be really interesting to see the total fallout from this uh, this Nick Saban retirement. Well, with that being said, there was some really great news there, and FSC fans were already dealing with the roller coaster there because they already didn't want Mike Nerva. Once Nick Saban retired, no matter what, FSU Twitter started freaking out, and then it got worse <laughs> when Dan Lanning said he wasn't going there. But then – Celebration, Mike Norvell staying in Tallahassee for a very long time, got a great extension, then bang, out of nowhere, NCA comes in and says, F you, FSU fans, we're going to start off 2024 like we did in the latter half of 2023. Everybody just screw the FSU fan base, and we're going to come spank you for something extremely small, small. And so Alex Atkins gets hit with a small little uh, suspension along with the program as well. Um, but, you know, I, I – don't want to go into full detail on maybe the situation that went down because I also don't want to just spew off BS that I'm not fully educated on. And I don't think we should do that, but just going from what Florida state and coach Atkins have to deal with, this was due, due to a recruiting violation here. What it includes though, from the NCAA is two years of probation. Coach Atkins will also be missing the first three games of the season for Florida state. Um, there's a lot of other things in here. Maybe I'll share the screen because I don't want to go through and jot down every one of these because we'll be on here till forever long. But I'll bring these up on the screen. Uh, Dustin, you're close with all the recruiting stuff here and how that goes and what Atkins actually has to do now. Um, this was NIL related uh, with here the, uh, here the spear. God, here the spear. Let's just all screw <laughs> ourselves here. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> just take ourselves down with them. Damn. Wow. Woo, goodness gracious. All right, let's uh, reset that rising spear. Rising spear, kind of close there in similar name, but uh, had them on at the beginning of their time once they launched and got to know their NIL, but more specifically catered since the last two years over to other sports, not fully focused on football as they were at the beginning. The battle's end has kind of taken more of that, that route for sure, but uh, this is something that also the rising spear has to deal with too getting suspended there, but I'm going to share my, share my screen here, gentlemen. Uh, but yeah, coach Atkins gets hit with it. FSU fan base isn't too happy about it, but it's just kind of is what it is. And the NCA is the NCAA. And I already know you hate it as much as you do VZ. Yeah. It's Stan Wilcox. And I've, I've made my feelings known about Stan Wilcox and just how much he's done to screw Florida state over the last decade since he was the athletic director there. And he's, he's definitely helping his claim here. Um, <laughs> Really the, really, the only big things to note, in my opinion, from this is obviously the suspension of Coach Atkins and then the loss of five total scholarships over the next two, two years. The rest of it doesn't matter too much, in my opinion. Obviously, with some visits, which can factor in, but I think Norville and this coach's staff have already found ways around that, as we've seen. But And I think with this five total loss of scholarships, Dustin could probably will probably know more than I do, but it kind of seems like they're just going to do 85 this year and then 80 the next year. And getting a walk-on four-star quarterback, as we'll talk about later, will help with that. Yeah, I'm not exactly sure how it goes, but it's kind of – you can kind of break it up however you want. You know, you can do one this year and then four next year, or however you however you get it to five over these two years. I'm sure Florida State, you know, the numbers, they always find a way to work themselves out, so not, not too worried about that. There will still be some attrition from Florida State's roster following spring. Um, as you guys said, you know, the big thing here is the, the suspension for Coach Atkins. I think luckily for Florida State, you know, those first three games, you're going to be playing Georgia Tech in that Ireland matchup and then coming home to Tallahassee to uh, face Memphis and Boston College. So Florida State hopefully should be able to handle those three games without him. And you do have a 
pretty veteran group of offensive linemen coming back. A lot of guys that have played a lot of football at FSU. One thing I am still trying to figure out is if Florida State's going to be able to promote another coach to an on-field position in uh, Coach Atkins's absence. And, you know, right now it seems like that would be Gabe Fertitta, FSU's senior yeah. offensive analyst and someone that has a ton of uh, experience working with a, with the offensive line and has worked hand-in-hand with Coach Atkins for the last two years now going into uh, year three. So still trying to figure out if, you know, he can take over in that place when Atkins is not around during those three games. But that's something that's still up in the air at this point. Yeah, and it kind of ties into with Cooper. We'll talk about him. Let's just tie him in now with that. Cooper Williams also in this role of where Gabe was, of that analyst role on the offensive line, coaching with uh, Coach Atkins, someone that was very hands-on. As he was a graduate job. assistant. Yeah, GA has moved on to the SEC and is going to get a bigger you know, a role there uh, in the SEC with Missouri. So um, wish him the best of luck. Got to know him, too, during his time at Florida State. Had a few luncheons with him and sat at the table and, and got to know him, his family and everything. And uh, um, obviously was doing a really good job with Atkins. But Gabe, too, as a coach, well-respected across that whole entire offensive line uh, everywhere. That, that program with the players, too. Uh, that's who I would ex- highly expect, you know, just depending, like Dustin said, who steps up, like who, what can they promote going into those first three games? But Gabe is someone that's been around with these guys, has helped recruit everything imaginable. So uh, I, I feel confident that, you know, yeah, s- smaller opponents, yeah, to start the season, I guess you can say, kind of, you know, there, there's definitely going to be some, a few challenges in those. Definitely missing your, your, your guy with Atkins, but if you want somebody that's been around for a long while and understands what Atkins wants, yeah, this is where Fertitta comes in and it helps a ton. Yeah. The good thing is he's been around the program now for so long that he's very familiar with not only the players, but the coaching staff as well. But in the end, I mean, it just sucks to see Florida state and Alex Atkins hit for these penalties. You know, this um, violation originally occurred back in April of 2022. And it's obviously, you know, you can read the report. I think everyone can read between the lines that this is clearly about Georgia offensive line transfer, Amarius Mims, who hit the portal, came to Tallahassee for an official visit. Um, There was a report from another outlet that went out that he had committed to Florida state at the time. Um, And then it came out that he had not committed, ended up leaving Florida state and then transferred or stayed with Georgia um, in the end. But, you know, for, reading this NCAA report and all coach Atkins did was drive him to the NIL meeting. It doesn't say that he went into the meeting. doesn't say that he was a participant in the meeting at all. And this was at a point where really the NCAA hadn't established very many rules around NIL and those type of ventures. They still haven't (laughs) to retroactively go back and punish Florida state for something that happened almost two years ago. And then you, where's Amarius Mims now? He declared for the NFL draft at the end of December. So, I mean, who in the end of the at the end of the day, who are we hurting? You know, mm-hmm. we're hurting Florida State two years later and Rising Spear, as you kind of mentioned at the beginning of this, Logan. They don't even really work with football athletes anymore. They moved on to other sports. The battle's in has taken over most of uh, the football NIL dealings um, at Florida State. So, at the end of the day, you're hurting athletes that already aren't getting a ton of NIL opportunities. You know, those yeah. softball, baseball volleyball, soccer, women's basketball, men's basketball. Yeah. Those are the people that got hurt. That's what I was about to say. Is you're really hurting the other athletes at Florida State more than you're hurting the football team that committed this so 
it's so minor of an infraction that I'm surprised they're even getting hit for it. And it's not like this doesn't happen everywhere else. Surely every other school has done something like this. And Florida State's the one that gets slapped on the wrist for it, which is just absurd. I hate that the NCAA is going out with this last last little whimper, taking it out on Florida State. But the NCAA is going to NCAA, and I, I can't wait for them to not exist anymore. Then who do we think talked? Georgia. Georgia. Mm-hmm. All that playing nice between Kirby Smart at the Orange Bowl. Man's a snake. <laughs> a little sly mother. You know what? He's a sly man, sly man. Yeah, and look at uh, who just recently won the national championship. You know, hey, you can do all that, cheat your way through some games. And, and ah, the NCAA wow. hasn't even penalized Michigan yet. It's all the Big Ten that's hand, handed down those penalties. It hasn't been the NCAA. So mm-hmm. it's just a very unserious organization. And I'll leave it at that. Yeah, I can't wait for that day when it crumbles. I think everyone can't wait. Cannot wait. We won't be the only fan base to celebrate, but man, uh, it's just falling apart and making themselves look more embarrassing, embarrassing year by year and season by season. So that's why I wonder, Uh, you know, if FSU could they threaten a lawsuit over these penalties? And we've already seen the NCAA before. Whenever someone threatens to take them to court, they they just bypass it like a turnstile. Yeah, maybe if Florida State hadn't already agreed to these penalties, like this wasn't something that just got dropped on Florida State out of nowhere. You could tell that these were negotiated and been brought down from both sides. So I think what we got is what we got. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's jump into some good news. We're going to just go on a roller coaster ride here and talk about Daryl Jackson real quick. Announced earlier today that he signed with the Battle's End. The former Miami defensive tackle transfer is going to be playing for this 2024 season. Only got to see him uh, in that bowl game against Georgia. Not taking anything from that game whatsoever. We're getting his full debut this upcoming season and Garnet and Gold. But that's a big get for Florida State. They need him coming back no matter what. Uh, you know, kind of was in the chatter group of maybe potentially entering that transfer portal or maybe looking elsewhere, all that kind of stuff. But him and Joshua Farmer will be a big unit to have on the inside of that interior there, those two being very close with one another. But D-Jax, I'm, I'm really excited to have him. We, we heard a lot. We heard from Braden Fisk last week, guys. You know, he, he thinks very highly of him and the amount of power and the things that we've seen at practice to us, and you've seen more of it. He's got that extra gear, and that's something Florida State needs whenever you're losing out on Fabian Lovett. A handful of other guys, and also Braden Fisk, those two guys uh, who made an impact this this season. There's a, he's got a ton of potential. I mean, you could see it throughout the season when he wasn't able to get out there on game days, but still, I mean, just going hard in practice uh, throughout the year. And, you know, finally got to see him in that orange bowl, a little bit unfair since he wasn't able to get any reps under his belt and then bang, just gets tossed out there in the orange bowl against Georgia, his first start at Florida State, his first appearance. And, you know, he had some really positive moments, also some, uh, some not, so positive moments, but I think there's there's still a ton, you know, him coming back now to have another offseason in Tallahassee, go through spring practice, and actually know going into fall camp that he's eligible and able to play a big role. It's going to be huge, um, and he's going to be someone that's going to be expected, I, I would assume, to play a starting role at FSU. I think he's got the potential to uh, make it to the NFL if he can just become more consistent of a player down to down. But I do think it's big for Florida State to re- retain him because obviously, you know, with 
the rumblings over the last year or so. He's been a little bit of a wild card. There have been some times, you know, we thought he might end up entering the transfer portal, but then he ultimately remained at Florida State. And we haven't heard from Joshua Farmer just yet, but I would assume with Daryl Jackson back in the fold, it kind of feels like those two guys are tied together. So I would imagine we'll get a Farmer announcement here in the near future. I'm looking forward to seeing Jackson play with the full defense around him. Like you said, the orange boy, he had, he had Pat Payton and he had Kalen Deloach, Fentrell Cypress, and that was about it for Malcolm Ray. Like I said, that's about it for normal Florida State rotation players. So Daniel? I'm looking forward to seeing him with with a full defense, with you know good linebackers behind him, a good secondary behind him, and and a full defensive line rotation. Also, completely unrelated, I cannot believe how many different weird numbers he's been through. He started at 92 in Maryland, perfectly fine defensive lineman number. Is now in six and was 14 this past. He was also six at Miami. So I don't know what number he actually likes, but <laughs> it's just weird to see a defensive lineman wearing number six. I can't lie. He's switching up, but it used to be Briggs. Yeah, but it's like, yeah. An interesting uh, number. It's an interesting number. Maybe we can get him on and we can start figuring out a good number for him. What do you think? What do you think he should be at? If Malcolm Ray, maybe 99? Yeah, just keep the D tackles in those 90s. It just makes the most sense. I like the '90s. I do like that too. Lo- love, think, it uh, and, love it and zero was, player. yeah. Love it and zero was already obscure, and then now seeing six is just. Also, also Marvin Wilson were in twenty-one, and this is a weird tangent. <laughs> that that, that by far, that having him worst. and then having Logan Tyler wear twenty-one, it was just a wild. <laughs> just thinking of what are we doing here? What is happening? Weird tangent, I know, but I just it doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. I still haven't fully gone that way yet with the, the smaller numbers. Definitely, I can understand if we're on the edge and you got six, or you're like Jared Verse, you got five. But if you're on the interior defensive line, I like those those uh, '90s numbers for sure. But I'd go with '99 there for Djax if he if he decides to switch some things up. Uh, spe- speaking of Dennis Briggs, though, he has entered the transfer portal. That's someone that Florida State has had for a very long time, veteran. Um, if you go back to the COVID year to ended up opting out was taking care of his family was having a baby and then actually came back latter half in that season and showed up and played well for Florida state. This is a guy that uh, I've always been highly, I've always thought highly of him. Um, just a really, really good person to be around. And just as a player too, he's someone that you can have as a really good solid depth piece and, you know, injuries kind of delayed him and maybe some progress and growth for him as a player, but he ends up hitting the, uh, hitting the transfer portal and um, personally I'm wishing him the best of luck. But um, and, uh, you don't want to lose kind of the depth there, defensive tackle, but I think Florida State's working on, on trying to get that, that fixed in that hole. Dennis Briggs was Florida State's longest tenured player. He'd been with this program since 2018, um, played under former head coach Willie Taggart, stuck around whenever Mike Norvell arrived in Tallahassee, you know, someone that bounced between defensive end and the interior during his time with the program. Always a solid um, part of the rotation for Florida State. And like you said, Logan, injuries just really seem to tap his potential. You know, you think back to that 2021 game against Louisville, he suffered a season-ending leg injury. And ever since then, just hasn't had quite the same amount of burst. But, I mean, still has always been solid presence in the lineup, a, a good, good guy in the locker room for Florida State off the field. So, you know, a bit of an underrated loss here with him moving on. But – you know, there's so much talent on this interior coming back for Florida State and coming in for Florida State 
2024. I don't think that there's necessarily a guaranteed established role for Dennis Briggs. And, you know, he's going to look for somewhere else where he can take on an, an immediate starting role for his final season of eligibility. I can't believe he saw his eligibility. Uh, he's been playing since I was in college and I graduated college five years ago. <laughs> yeah, he's been playing since I was in college. So, uh, Shit. damn. This is this is gonna sound harsh, but just go work insurance or something, man. It's time. It's, it's, Whoa, it's been a long Whoa. time. That's messed up. You gotta take advantage Whoa. of the NIL opportunities while you're there, <laughs> especially especially nowadays. Like, if you're not someone who's guaranteed to go to the NFL, then you need to take as advantage of it as much as possible while you're in college and. You know, it's, I don't think it's guaranteed just yet that Briggs is going to be able to play in 2024. He's working through that eligibility process, similar to what we saw with Dimitri Emanuel last year, to to get a seventh year of eligibility. And that would be, just like I mentioned a, a second ago, but for that injury suffered in 2021, which which was before – it was the fourth game of the season. So, you know, the four-game redshirt rule is basically trying to apply for an injury, injury redshirt, a medical redshirt for that season to – to play again, but you know, I think you should go get that opportunity while it's still on the table. Uh, one player that is going to end up going back to their old school is Gilbert Edmond, former South Carolina defensive end. Send him back to down to double A. What'd you say? Send him back down to double A. He got Man. called up to the majors for one year, got sent back down. Yeah, minors back down, minors. Yep, uh, but yeah, Gil Bradman played for a year at Florida State defensive end is now heading back to play for South Carolina. Um, I don't think this was a major shock for me just because of what Florida State's bringing in and what he would have to compete once again with and or earning playing time, and that's probably something he was trying to get into getting if he were to actually have some really significant progress and maybe Florida State and Coach JP – and, you know, Florida State, Odell didn't see that progress that they were initially thinking or expecting out of Gilbert and, you know, what they were able to do in the transfer portal already in that defensive end room uh, with a couple of guys. And I'm, it's, uh, I, it's not too much of a shock here, but Gil Randman heading back to his old squad. Um, and then there's, like I said, a handful of guys that are coming in to play at that position. A few of them that we talked about in our previous episode. And I'm going to have to say their names again. And it's going to be really, really rough on me because I have not practiced one whatsoever. But West Virginia, uh, <laughs> defensive, defensive end transfer, uh, Tommy Wah. No. Rahwe, no. And uh, Tommy Way. Duro Jaye. Yeah, those two guys. Those two guys are coming in. Too you should have waited. I was going to bring their names up, so you should have waited. No, I got to keep going with it. I can't be a sissy. I can't be a sissy. Like, ah, I can't do it. You just got to go. You also can't come in and just botch it. I, I can. I'm learning. I'm learning. I'm just learning. Okay. But, uh, yeah, Gil Redman, back to South Carolina. Not a crazy shock with what Florida State has coming in. Don't think it's a big loss at all. You know, there was a really big drop-off last year whenever Florida State – had to uh, go to the defensive ends beyond Patrick Payton and Jared Verse. And with Gilbert Edmond only having one year of eligibility remaining, I think it made a lot of sense for FSU to go out there and look for upgrades that could, you know, make really big impacts in 2024. 
And, you know, while they missed some in the portal early on, I think these three guys that they ended up with are, are going to be huge additions to that rotation alongside, you know, Peyton. And you still have Byron Turner Jr. there and some other guys that are going to be competing for spots. But, you know, obviously Marvin Jones Jr. Then you've got Tomiwe Durojaye and also Sione Lolo Haya. So some really big additions for Florida State on the outside and some, uh, you know, look at Sione he's coming in more experienced but then a guy like uh Tomiwe a lot more potential and someone that Florida State can coach up into a really good player no comment just glad they've gotten some depth in there there you go you want to pronounce uh, your name let's... take a shot nope. okay. <laughs> I got oh, DJ oh, that's it yeah, for right now yeah, I don't want to see you <laughs> laughing then uh, Austin I, don't see I just have a practice mm-hmm. okay see there we go there we go uh, but yeah, that's going to do it there for some kind of the quick hitters. We're going to jump into some recruiting now. Uh, well, we could, I mean, depends. So we just, let's just name some of the battles end guys that are coming back and have signed there and yada, yada, yada. Definitely some names worth mentioning. Fintrell Cypress, uh, Daniel Lyons, KJ Sampson, two defensive line guys there getting signed with the battles and much needed with some depth going into next year. Vondravius Jacobs. Man. Van, Van, Van Dravius, Van Dravius, uh, Jabril uh, Rawls, Charles Lester, Landon Thomas, and Marvin Jones Jr. Uh, Marvin Jones Jr. is someone that we should have mentioned. You know, that's there's a lot of guys that Florida State's going to be having in that defensive end room that is going to be competing uh, for those starting spots outside of uh, Pat Payton that's returning. But uh, what names stand out to you guys the most here? Ventrell. Not that Cypress. Uh, not, that's, honestly, that's, none of them. I thought yeah. all these guys would pretty much be back for the most part. I thought I that guess, silence was pretty loud. That's messed up. <laughs> I guess maybe Ventrell. Like I could have seen him decided maybe to hit the portal one more time, but I think him coming back to FSU, you know, to have another veteran cornerback in there. And you look there, you look at that cornerback room, there's some talent and experience at the top and then a lot of promising young potential there at the bottom where if those guys can grow under the uh, the coaching of Pat Sertan, it's it's going to be getting real scary in Tallahassee on the outside. Yeah, I thought Fentrell was overly hated last year. I, he was nowhere near as bad as the fans thought he was. He was very solid corner. I think one more year working under Coach Sertan is going to do him a lot of, a lot of justice. Mm-hmm. Let's jump into some recruiting gentlemen, and this is going to lead us into our topic here, the title, talking about Alabama and the surplus of guys coming over to Florida State. But let's start off with some more recent news. As of today, Florida State landed a four-star quarterback, and this one's a little interesting here because there's more to it. Actually competed at the Elite 11, and something, you know, those are some top-tier quarterbacks. Just don't want to just run by that easily. Those are some top-tier quarterbacks across the country that get invited to that competition. Uh, but, Dilu, maybe run us through a, a few things of what Florida State's getting here with Trevor Jackson and maybe why it was so late in the recruiting process here for Jackson to actually be able to come to Florida State with the class kind of wrapped up. Yeah, it's really interesting. You know, this one kind of came a little bit out of left field. Florida State obviously already holding a quarterback signee in the 2024 class and Luke Romanhawk, who, you know, one of the, the top prep signal callers available and someone that Florida State has wanted to officially get in the fold for a very long time. But then you look at Trevor Jackson, you know, this is a guy 
a developmental prospect, you know, coming into Florida State, someone where there's a lot of potential. And I think when you look at this room, you know, you've had obviously Jordan Travis graduated, but Tate Rodemaker transferred. You had AJ Duffy transfer. And, you know, recently within the past two seasons, you've also had uh, Chubba Purdy depart from the roster. So Florida State, they've lost a couple of numbers over the years in that quarterback room. And, you know, now going into this 2024 season, only three guys on scholarship in uh, DJU, Brock Glenn, and Luke Cromanhog. So you get a really interesting quarterback addition in Trevor Jackson, someone that you can groom over the years. And, you know, you look at what Mike Norvell and Tony Tokars were able to do with Jordan Travis. Um, you know, like Travis, Jackson is someone that begins his college career pretty raw as a quarterback. But if he is able to grow and develop and mature, um, he could turn into a very interesting player, you know, in a couple of seasons. Like you mentioned, Logan um, participated at the Elite 11, actually won the rail shot challenge um, up there at that competition between other top top uh, prep quarterbacks, which is kind of like a an accuracy challenge of sorts. So it's going to be interesting now to see him uh, at Florida State, and it seems like he's going to be available to start practicing with the team, you know, now and, and hit the ground running in the offseason and be there for spring practice. A couple of big-time offers. I know I don't really talk about recruiting a lot, but I mean, he has offers from Texas A&M, Penn State, Missouri, Ole Miss, Pitt. Like, it's not like it's some kid that only had some lower-tier offers and decided to stay close to home. He's a talented quarterback. Yeah, he was actually committed to uh, Ole Miss for a couple of months before backing off that pledge uh, in the fall. Mm -mm -mm. Yeah, not only that, Florida State continues to stay hot. Someone in the 2025 class that – Big flip, big flip here for Florida State in that position. Huge, huge. Position of need, extremely talented Florida State lands a commitment. Big flip. Gavion Hilson, a four-star defensive end. D'Lu, this is a nice pickup here, obviously. One of the top edge players in the country. I'm going to bring up his uh, profile here from 247 Sports. But on the composite, a top 10 edge rusher just specifically from 247 itself, a top five edge rusher, number four in the country, top 50 player. Man, this I thought this was massive the other day for Florida State. And, and like I was saying earlier, a position where you want to kind of build your own and just to have this. And, you know, I think immediately to FSU Twitter is like, let's just wait till we get the signing day and make sure Florida State brings them in. And I understand that. And I'm right there with you. That's how, I mean, the, the staff should be, held to that standard because we've seen some guys, some misses here as of late, specifically in this room. But for right now, if Florida State can hold on to this cat, this is a really special player that they'd be bringing into their edge rush room. I'm real, real excited about this one. Uh, Javian Hilson would be the top-ranked high school edge recruit that Florida State has signed since Mike Norvell and this coaching staff arrived in Tallahassee. You know, they're now going into their fifth recruiting cycle and they've had some guys committed in the past that have flipped, you know, at the last second. But I mean, man, Hilson, a very, very impressive prospect. Six foot four, about 225 pounds. Actually, um, he was at Florida State a couple of times last year. I believe it was either January or at some point in the spring last year, whenever he visited. And I remember him walking in and we were just like, man, that is that's a big kid. And at the time he was just a rising junior. So, you know, to have another year under his belt before he actually moves to the college level, I mean, kid's just going to keep getting better. And he's coming off a season. Yeah, he's, he's, he's coming off a season where he had uh, 94 tackles, 27 tackles for loss, 14 sacks, 
three forced fumbles, one fumble recovery, and two pass deflections. And um, his his performance has been crucial. And Coco winning now two consecutive state championships. And Florida State, their last two commitments now in this 2025 class. You've got Javian Hilson there at defensive end. Then you also had Solomon Th- Thomas back in December, the four-star offensive lineman. And championships are one, you know, up front. And Florida State, two big additions in the trenches early on in this 2025 recruiting cycle. Mm-mm-mm. Super excited for that kid. I highly suggest go watching some film of him too. But man, uh, just imagine what Storms can do with him as well once he arrives. I mean, he's just already got the stature itself, just genetics, great genetics. But whew, man, I know those are the, those kind of caliber players are what Coach Storms is kind of already licking his chops for getting him inside and getting working and that weight room and get them on the on the nutrition plan. Uh, and then let, let's jump into kind of handful. I'm just going to start firing these guys off just because that's what Florida State's been doing right now in the transfer portal. Outside of a Florida offensive line transfer, Richie Leonard, Florida State brought in multiple other Alabama players. We talked about a ton of them last week, but we'll start off with Terrence Ferguson, the second an Alabama offensive lineman that Florida State's going to be bringing in, along with a running back with Roydell Williams, someone that played a lot of snaps for Alabama, physical runner. Uh, we'll talk more about him in just a second, and also to a position of need with Sean Murphy, Alabama linebacker transfer, someone that hasn't had a whole ton of experience on the field, but was expected to take that next step for Alabama and see a lot of playing time in 2024. But Start off with Terrence. We'll kind of go from there, and then we'll give our thoughts on a few of these guys at Florida State doing a really good job. All SEC guys kind of flowing over here to Tallahassee, but specifically Tuscaloosa to Tallahassee. Yeah, Ferguson, um, a big one. You know, a guy with a ton of potential, hasn't played a ton of snaps just yet, but was starting to kind of get over that hurdle at, at Alabama. Appeared in 12 total games, had his first career start during the uh, 2023 season. It seems like coming in, he's someone that has the versatility to play either of those guard spots, could maybe get some playing time there at center. And, you know, with Florida State losing Demetri Emanuel and Casey Roddick, they're going to need some guys to step into that interior and soak up some time immediately. I would assume Terrence Ferguson going to be someone right there in that competition for one of the starting guard spots. But, I mean, you can see right here on the screen, six foot four. 322 pounds, highly regarded coming out of high school. Florida State um, recruited him heavily um, when he was at the prep level. He ended up choosing the Crimson Tide. But, you know, like we've seen with some of these other transfer recruitments, you know, uh, Marvin Jones Jr., Jalen Brown, Earl Little, Florida State establishing that relationship in high school. And when these guys hit the transfer portal, you know, the Seminoles are almost a natural fit with the connection that was already previously established. You can tell Florida State placed an emphasis a guard recruiting this portal cycle the really only tackle they went after was carter smith who's obviously a high level high potential starter at tackle to me if they couldn't get a, a clear upgrade at tackle they weren't going to chase it and you can bring two guys in and leonard or ferguson that can at the very least give you good solid depth at guard and that's something florida state kind of struggled with last year is a revolving door between keandre jones casey roddick meach just so many different guys rotating in and out with injury and whatever else so Good to keep building up that depth, especially with a with an Alabama guy. Can't go wrong with that. Yeah, I was thinking about it earlier, actually. And to me, this getting the bringing in this insurance at guard with Ferguson and also Richie Leonard, it helps Florida State keep um, Darius Washington at left tackle. Yeah, in my opinion, because Ferguson has the potential to play center. 
Um, Leonard can slide into that center role as well if needed. So if there is ever a time where Marie Smith goes down, you know, you've got one of those two guys that you can slide over and then you can keep Darius out there, you know, protecting uh, DJU's blindside. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of protection coming for DJU. And you know, Florida State, you know, depending on when these guys enter the transfer portal, there's a lot of advertising there saying, hey, we're going to protect you, man. And that's something that where Florida State's building that speed and the skills room right now, and they've done that, and a lot of speed, a lot of speed, and you know, having as much room and time for DJ going into this next season is going to be huge. So loading up on that offensive line is big. And also, too, why not we add more talent into that running back room, which Coach Yak just seems to be able to always obtain this kind of talent. But, man, it's going to be highly competitive going into this season with Roydell Williams coming in from Alabama, uh, coming in from – his class uh, previously a top 10 running back in the country. And you're adding that now and, and to Florida State's stacked running back room with a hot, a lot of some, some, some proven talent. Absolutely. You got, you've got LT, you've got Keziah Holmes, but then you've also got some youngsters in there and you've got a Cam Davis. There's some guys even behind him too, that come in that in his class as well, that there's just so many different kinds of styles of talent, but Roy L. Williams is coming in and, and, and is buying into himself. He's investing into himself to find playing time in Florida State's offense. And look where he went to high school at. Yeah, Town. Who else went there? Good Florida State play. It's one good, really good Florida State player played there. Yeah, I wonder one, who that was. One pretty good one. I think his name started with Jameis and ended with Winston. But oh. Roy Dell Williams, um, someone that has a lot of experience from his uh, four years at Alabama, appeared in 45 games, um, won a national championship during his first year in Tuscaloosa. And he was mainly you know, a reserve backup type guy. This past season started getting more into the rotation, kind of a two-headed attack there where he ended up with uh, 560 yards and five touchdowns on 111 carries. And, you know, he's not someone that's going to come in and necessarily take the top off the defense, but a very physical runner between the tackles, a bruiser that can go out there and, I mean, just flat out run you over. And I think he adds a a different flavor to Florida State's offense, a little bit Trey Benson-esque, you know, Trey Benson light maybe coming in. And uh, with him moving on, I think it's a, a nice add with Williams coming in alongside Lawrence Toa Philly and Kaiseya Holmes and some of the other really promising young running backs in that room. I really like this running back room. There's so many different flavors that you can bring with between Roydell, Cam, Toa Philly, Holmes. So many different options that Norvell's going to roll out there. And if there's, I've said it a bunch of times, if there's anyone I trust with running back evaluations, it's Coach Norvell. So I, I mm-hmm. expect him to get the best out of Roydell Williams. Florida State is going to bring over a Gator too, someone that played a lot, a lot of snaps on that offensive line. Uh, played 12 games, I believe, right, D. Lou, and 755 yep. snaps, a team high there on the offensive line. But this is Richie Leonard. Uh, he's going to come in and help that interior offensive line as well. Uh, thoughts on Richie coming over, and also was a hilarious kind of day there from some of his former teammates not being a big fan of him going over to uh, the Florida State side and going to a rival uh one of his teammates not happy uh whatsoever but richie richie's a seminole he he wants to be a winner so he's coming to tallahassee you kind of nailed it uh richie leonard coming into florida state after starting all 12 games for uf in 2023 at left guard and played a team high 755 snaps so someone that was extremely reliable for uh the gators throughout last season and 
yeah, you know, now transferring to Florida State so he can hopefully be on the the winning side of this rivalry during his final season of collegiate eligibility. But, you know, someone who's uh, a little bit sawed off, you know, six foot two, you got it right there. I think he was listed on U.S. roster at either like 322 pounds or something like that, but pretty good size and someone with a lot of experience. And, you know, he's also right there in that interior battle now with Terrence Ferguson and, You've also got Keandre Jones in the mix there, a guy coming back for Florida State in 2024. So some really quality guards on this roster. I think you're going to see another kind of offensive line by committee where Florida State doesn't necessarily have five starting offensive linemen, but they've got six, seven, eight guys that contribute and, and earn starts throughout the season. He wanted to experience what Wendy's like. Can't blame him. Get out of Hawktown, go someplace and have some success. I love it. Yep, and then now a, a big one here too, and for a position of need, Sean Murphy, Alabama transfer linebacker. As I was saying earlier, didn't see a lot of playing time. Was expected to take that next step, and I'm I'm be honest with you, Florida State Nick, if, if Nick Saban is recruiting a linebacker very hard and wants him in his program and ends up committing and end up playing for Alabama, I'll take him. Go ahead and give me him. Bring him over here, please, and definitely for Florida State where it's very thin there and doesn't have a whole ton of yeah, doesn't have a lot of experience, and that's something Murphy might not have at that level as well. But someone, if Randy Shannon is able to do a good job of developing this offseason, should be able to see a potential starting role and what Florida State's trying to do in that linebacker room. But as a former top 15 linebacker, 247 Sports had him as a top five linebacker uh, in his class coming in in high school. But 6'2", 225, something you need whenever we were talking about earlier, losing Tatum Bethune, Kalen Deloach. They've got to find some guys in here and beef up that room. Yeah, didn't play a ton at Alabama, but I mean, honestly, you know, a stacked linebacker room over there in Tuscaloosa. And this guy coming to Tallahassee, instantly going to be able to step into that rotation, I think. You know, DJ Lundy coming back, but outside of that, the rest of that room, relatively unproven. And you get a top 100 talent like Sean Murphy, and we've seen Randy Shannon develop, you know, Kalen Deloach, Tatum Bethune, also the, the improvements that DJ Lundy has made over the last couple of years. So, I mean, recruiting might not be his strongest suit in Tallahassee, but development certainly has been one. I think, you know, giving him someone with Sean Murphy's talent, it's going to be a positive for Florida State. You know, being able to go through spring practice and the off-season conditioning program in Tallahassee is going to be crucial. And, you know, we'll see what he looks like out there um, in March when spring practice rolls around, but a, a ton of potential to step in and immediately play a huge role. You can make the argument he's instantly the most talented linebacker in that room right now I think I'd still like for Florida State to go out and get a guy that's got more experience playing but at least this raises the talent level in that room which was absolutely needed and if he reaches that potential you know his senior year of high school he actually won the uh the Buckus award winner among high school prospects which you know that that basically means he was the most talented linebacker in America in uh that that 2022 class but he had 113 tackles, 20 tackles for loss, six sacks, and a pair of interceptions as a senior while uh, earning Under Armour All-American honors. So another guy who you're adding who maybe hasn't produced a ton yet at the college level but showed a ton of potential and talent previously in their careers and Florida State hoping to help them make that next step and, and break out in Tallahassee. Well, let's jump into some basketball here. I think that wraps up uh, football side of things. Before we jump into basketball, I think we're nearing like 
65, 70 something likes. If you want to hit the like button, we definitely appreciate it a ton as a few of our commentators in here. Shout out to Robert in here. Asking for you guys to hit the like button. It helps go out to more FSU fans. If you're new here, we go live every Wednesday evening, usually at 7, but we're going an hour early because VZ has basketball here that's really actually about to start right now. It's already started. Against Miami. So, but yeah, hit the like button. Deeply appreciate everybody coming on here and hanging out with us. But uh, yeah, VZ, real quick, Miami, Florida State going on right now as we speak. What should we expect? And if Florida State gets this win, what does it do? You know. Um, let's address the second question first. Miami's kind of on a downward trend. They've lost two of their last three, including just a brutal loss to Louisville at home last week. Louisville hadn't won a road ACC game in two years, so to go into Coral Gables and pick up that win was definitely a surprise. They've lost to Wake Forest and has struggled against Virginia Tech this past weekend. But it matters because of who's on that other sideline, and it's Matthew Cleveland, who last time these two teams were playing in the Watsko Center, Matthew Cleveland hit a buzzer beater from 27 feet, and it was Miami's last loss before they went to the Final Four. So this matters a lot for both teams. I really wish Cameron Fletcher was playing because he was the player that objected Cleveland going to Miami the most, and I'm sure it would have been a little bit chippy if he was playing. Um, But either way, it's going to be a very interesting game. Two very stylistically different teams. Miami wants to get up and down the floor, no free throws on either side. They shoot a ton of threes and they make them. They're shooting about 40% from three as a team between Cleveland Poplar and Nigel Pack. They're all you know, 42, 43, 44% from three. And then you have Florida State who just wants to cause so much chaos defensively with their length and athleticism. Florida State goes 11 deep and Miami plays six players at the most, most times. So, Two very, very different teams, but it should be a very entertaining basketball game. It's 5-5 early on right now, and I'm I'm really looking forward to this one. There's very few wins I want more on the schedule than, than to beat Miami. Florida State and Miami on uh, the basketball court doesn't always feel like a rivalry. I think this time around it 100% does with Matthew Cleveland now being on the other side. I'm waiting for somebody to put Cleveland on his ass. I'm waiting for it to happen because it's going to happen at some point. Um, I'm just waiting for when that moment's actually going to be. And for Witt, who was asking about my name tag earlier, I think all Florida State fans know that FM, FFM one, uh, carry that same math over to the next one. The MC is just Matthew Cleveland. Oh, wow. <laughs> Damn. Woo. That's pretty rough here. Goodness gracious. And for context, for the people listening, that's what Austin's name is labeled here on our stream yard for the viewers that are watching across Facebook, YouTube, everything. So, Which if you're just, just listening, hop, it, hop on the YouTube. What's it mean? Yeah. Um, I'm just F Miami, FF Miami. And then... <laughs> Matthew Cleveland, FF Matthew Cleveland. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, that's tough. That's tough, tough, tough. It's okay, though. It's part of the rivalry. If it sparks it up even more, like Dustin said, sign me up. Let's go. Let's have some fun. But yeah, then they'll play Clemson on Saturday, and then I have Which another game before we go live again. Clemson's all of a sudden fall off a cliff. They ran through non-conference play. They were up to like top fifteen ranking, and now I think they're one of four in ACC play. So really falling off the last couple of weeks. And I don't know if you mentioned Austin, but Florida State already more wins than last season. So no matter what happens here for the rest of the campaign, they they could lose out. And it's already been a more successful year than last year. I don't think yeah. they're gonna lose out, but I don't I don't think so either. I you you play you play Louisville in a couple of weeks, you still have game you still have another game against Georgia Tech. 
I've said all year it's a 500 basketball team, and they're playing a little bit better than that right now. If they can pick up a couple wins over these next couple weeks, and I've said it a couple of times, these next four games between Miami, Clemson, Syracuse, UNC, you go two and two there, I think you're setting yourself up really, really well the rest of the season because the ACC is starting to fall off from where some people thought they were, which I didn't even think they were that good of a conference to begin with. They're starting to show their, their true colors recently. Well, we need to wrap this up so then VZ can get over to Twitter land and give us live updates. And then so then we can also have a nice lengthy uh, recap afterward as well. So everybody, I know this was kind of a more quicker episode this week, but nice to kind of get in here, get the news out to you guys. We'll be back live next Wednesday. Hopefully we'll be bringing on another guest. We're going to try to do that frequently throughout this offseason. So it might be week on, week off, but this one actually held a lot of news that we need to go through. So that's why didn't bring on a guest this week, but looking forward to hopefully grabbing another one, hopefully a recent null uh, that is uh, right now moving on and getting ready to the next level. So keep an eye out for that. Before you leave, though, hit that like button. I think we got over 200 people on YouTube or so hanging out with us this evening. So deeply appreciate that. I was getting close to 300 earlier. So appreciate everybody hanging out. If you hit that like before you leave, it helps to go to more FSU fans and helps us get these videos out uh, more to y'all on a consistent basis. But yeah, make sure you subscribe. As always, you can listen to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify. Uh, hit that like button, subscribe. We'll be back here next Wednesday at 7 p.m. I appreciate everybody listening, and we'll see you guys uh, in seven days. See you. Peace. Mama told me, uh, not to sell work, mama 17